Hey everybody, it's Eric. Marky, Ricky, Danny, Terry, Mikey, Davey, Timmy, Tommy, Joey, Robbie, Johnny, and Brian. Hey guys, this is Joe. You're not perfect sport. And let me say the suspense. This girl you've met, she's not perfect either. But the question is whether or not you're perfect for each other. Will Hunting has a brilliant mind. This boy's genius is on parallel. And a bad attitude. When you hit an officer, you go in. Now, I need someone who can get through to him. Like me. For the first time in his life, he's met his match. Playtime's over. You lecturing me on life? Robin Williams, Matt Damon. In a film by Gus Van Sant. Good Will Hunting, rated R. You're listening to Worth the Lead Feed, the podcast where two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended one time to see if they still think that the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Not so much, Eric. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. I, I, I told you after the podcast last week, I forgot to say when we were talking, got a new hybrid. I got a new car. I got a hybrid uh, RAV4. It's a huge chick magnet um <laughs> no but seriously i love it i i, I had a regular rav4 and i i used to work at a car dealership and i talked to the girl that with this girl i used to work with and i was just like hey uh like i'll come in and if you guys can make this work great and i did and yeah it all worked out and so far i've driven on my first tank of gas i've driven not that anyone listening has any idea of like how far this is but i drove back from where I bought it, which is like 15 minutes away to Boston, back from Boston to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, back from Portsmouth, New Hampshire to Portsmouth again, back from Portsmouth. And I still, I probably still want to have to fill my tank for a few more days, at least. Oh, Maybe awesome. even, yeah, it's wild, man. It's they, wild. So they're free accommodating at the dealership. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Good. it's kind of, it's kind of a weird time. Right, in a way, they, it's, need, they need some help too. Yeah. I'm sure. Like if there's anything happening. Yeah, so it's a weird time because they you will pay more for your car. Like you you don't even you kind of assume you're paying MSRP, but at the same time, they'll give you more. So that's kind of what I told her. I was like, listen, I totally get and I'm not here to like nickel and dime you on the what I pay for this new car, but because of that, I want you to give me like the maximum amount for my car, and then we both win. And it, you know, it took a little bit of talking, but we figured it out and it just makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. And then other than... something a nice car, like you said, just the fact that it's, well, obviously better for the environment, but like yep. beyond that, it's just a, it's a nice on gas compared to what you had before, I'm sure. So exactly. And, and that's, that's my whole thing is like, whether for whatever reason you want to do it, if you want to do it to save the environment, fine. But if you want to do it because you don't want to spend a ton of money on gas, which is kind of where I am. I'm, I mean, I'm glad that it's, there are other benefits, but um, really it's just, I don't want to spend a ton of money on gas. So it's right. makes sense. But, um, and then other than that, been watching uh, a lot of sports, uh, Bruins and Celtics in the playoffs, Red Sox mm, having a hard time. But, um, and then the last thing I have to mention is, that show, I think I mentioned it last week that I was gonna, that I had started watching it. Um, we own this city from the creators of The Wire. It's like a mini series. I got Brie to watch the first episode with me, and she's in. So now, now we're like we're both. It's really good. We're both pumped. What about you? Um, yeah, I saw a couple movies, a couple uh, kid friendly movies in the theater. I saw the Bad Guys and Sonic Two. Sonic Two is actually pretty enjoyable. 
there was a couple of cringy moments that I was like looking at my brother, I'm like, oh god, they just did that. To yeah. But they they kept it. The thing I look for is like the references to the games itself. So like if they can put some references from the old games and like I like that stuff. So I like did they did a little bit of that and I was I appreciate it. Bad guys was pretty good. Animation was awesome. Um, like you said, Celtics like and Bruins are a big part of my uh, schedule lately. I'm as I'm sure. By the time we get this out, the Bruins are still in it. But right now, we have it on live right now in the background. Yep. So yep. same here, same here. If you're Eric yelling in uh, <laughs> in anger, you know something went wrong. Yes. Um, but on the tech side of things, I actually just recently got this thing called the Steam Deck. I actually got it. I meant to mention it last week, but it's on my mind. It's super cool. It's this. I pre-ordered this last year. All right, and it finally got. It finally started shipping out um, February, and I got mine at the beginning of April. So, but I've been playing around with it, and now it has like it's had a bunch of updates for stable. But it's pretty much a handheld PC. Oh wow! It's super cool. So it's meant for gaming. Um, if you, I'm not sure if you've heard of Steam, Eric. It's like a PC gaming client, but. Wow. It's like if you turn it on, it has Steam as like the OS and Linux in the background, but you can actually install Windows on there and really do some cool things. You're going to hook up to a, um, a, a hub and hook up to a monitor if you want to. It's super cool. So I've been trying to play around with that and kind of modding and, you know, doing some cool things with it. But yeah, it's been a big part of my uh, time lately. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I almost, I almost uh, texted you the other day. I was looking online for a, uh... The one thing I don't like about my new car and new cars in general now is they don't have a CD player. So I was looking into Bluetooth CD players, like how times have changed. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're trying to go backwards in, in your car. You're trying to, I'm trying to find a CD player that I can put in my car and play through Bluetooth, which they do exist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but so that might be something I do, but. Oh no, it's just funny you mentioned that. It's my, my, I have T-Mobile for my uh, carrier and they are so gung-ho about having me upgrade because they're going to fight. I have an old phone, all right? I have my old phone. I won't, I won't upgrade because I love my my three and a half millimeter jack for my headphones, right? Like, I don't care. I love my old special headphones. I love having a universal jack where I can plug in any pair of headphones. Me too. I, I won't my, get a phone yep. that doesn't have that. So, like, Timo was like, sure, <laughs> keep on emailing me. Like, please upgrade. There's all these free phones you can get. I'm like, no, I'm like, I'm very stubborn, Eric. So, I yep. get the old, no, like, I... old technology thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I the my iPhone now, I have to have Bluetooth like wireless headphones and I'm and like they're they're cool in some ways, but yeah, I just want I just want to I just want to have headphones. I don't know. I, I sound so old, <laughs> but I'm like things from us, man. Come on. Well, it's just weird that like that's the thing that they there's stuff that's like actually wrong with phones in cars too. And so the fact that they were like, oh, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get rid of the wires on your headphones. Or getting rid of it as an option is nice, like having the option to have a Bluetooth headphone, but, but just remo- removing the ability for me to just plug in a pair of headphones. Right. The idea of like making the phone more slim because of this, how much slimmer can you make the phone? Like, let's be real. Right. Like, it's slim enough. Right. We, it's good. We're good. We're good. And the headphones aren't what's taking up the space either. It's <laughs> right. But maybe put a better battery in it for me instead. It's cheap. Right. Anyways. Right. Yeah. So, Anyways, um, today you guys may have heard from the quotes, but if not, you, you heard the trailer. We're going to be talking about, this is my pick, we're going to be talking about the 1997 uh, classic Goodwill Hunting. Um, real quick, I mentioned it last week when I announced it, but um, there may be some changes to kind of the format of the podcast coming soon. So I was going to have this as my birthday pick in July to get around the 2000s rule but I had to rush it in before the changes. So we made an exception. 
um, my memory of this one is kind of interesting. So this one came out in 97. So I was 12 years old. All I remember from when this came out was every girl talking about how hot Ben Affleck was and how hot Matt Damon was. So initially I was kind of like sick of hearing that, I think. And I assumed it was a, a, like a chick flick for lack of a better word. So I didn't see this for a few years. And when I finally did see it, probably around like 2000 or whatever, it was almost like a guilty view. Like I was almost like, I felt like I was watching like the notebook or something and I immediately loved it. I mean, loved it. It it's like I said a few times, this and back to the future are my two favorite movies of all time. And um, yeah, I just, this, this movie's, I think it's all, it's pretty almost flawless. So, um, but what about you? What's your memory of the film? So I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I do know the reason why I saw it. It was, again, it was, I had it on DVD format, so it was a while ago. Um, but my dad was, must have heard the news, something that it had a Boston setting and, you know, it was around that area. So as people who live pretty close to there, I was like, okay, I bought a movie from Massachusetts. This is kind of exciting. So we watched it. And like you said, I didn't know much about going into it, but I immediately loved it and, it's one of those movies where I was young watching it and I probably should have been more bored than I was, but I'm not really enjoying it. And it's still something that, that like you, I visit pretty frequently. So. Yeah. And the, and the thing about um, it being filmed in Boston, that's cool and different for the time was there, are, there may be exceptions. I haven't looked into all of it, but this really was filmed in Boston for a long time. Like in the nineties and the eighties, it would be a movie that said it was filmed in Boston, but it was filmed in Toronto or it was filmed in, you know, somewhere else like Vancouver, this movie. I mean, you see all the landmarks like the Boston public garden, the L street tavern, the, all that stuff, the Harvard square, this was filmed in Boston. So that, I think that for people around here was kind of refreshing. It was a nice change. Um, do you have anything as far as how this did, financially how much money you made yeah it's actually really successful so goodwill hunting was released on december 5th 1997 and had a budget of 10 million dollars making 225.9 in the box office insane it was written by ben affleck and matt damon who really don't need any career rundowns for their work in front or behind the camera um most recently though the two of them also wrote the movie the last duel which came out last have year, you seen so. that so it's one of those movies where I want to, and it's just kind of like, <laughs> me we, too. And, and like, it came out at a really bad time. And it sucks because I got good reviews and there's like a huge box office flop, but like, I don't know. It's one of those things that I'm going to watch. I'm sure I'm going to love when I see it, but right now it's just kind of like getting the motivation to watch it to begin with. One of the, one of the guys I'm going to try to find him right now on our Instagram, one of the, someone, uh, another, um, podcaster, I think, or, or, or maybe just a film reviewer, liked a bunch of stuff on our instagram uh jason's fun time movie party is the account so jason's fun time movie party is the account and i was i went through his post and one of the things he posted was like his best films of 2021 and that was i think he had that in his top five so i was like i do have to eventually sit down and oh, and so watch much, it oh no yeah it's so much time between those two running it really scott directing it so it's like it's I think the thing that turned me off was just really Scott being like super mad about like the universe, this movie not doing well. He's like going on the millennials and like his whole like rant as an old person. So I'm like, it's, like old. right. The millennials yeah. excuse is like no longer like the case. Like that's like no. now that's an old excuse now. So it's like we're on a whole new generation. So. No one complains more than people complaining about millennials. The millennials <laughs> complain 
um, the average amount, no one complains more than old people complaining <laughs> about millennials. So that's kind of coming up, but eventually I will see it because it did get good reviews. Um, yeah, I'm going to check it out. But uh, Cool Hunting was uh, directed by Gus Van Sant, who also directed Milk, Promised Land, which was written by Matt Damon and friend John Krasinski, another fellow Newton boy. Um, the CH Trees, and most recently, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, which came on 2018. So Gus Van Sant has an interesting career. He has he doesn't do a lot of like box office films, but all his movies do really well within like the more of like the I don't know, like the indie audience and all that. Like they don't get like huge releases like Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on his foot, for example, with uh, I believe Joaquin Phoenix in that movie. Again, a movie that's really good, but I didn't get a lot of recognition when it came out, unfortunately. But yeah, so lots of talent involved with this movie. Right. So critically it was received pretty freaking well so it's an 8.3 out of 10 on imdb 98 percent on rotten tomatoes only three stars from ebert which is kind of surprising kind of disappointing um a quote from his review the outcome of this movie or the outcome of the movie is fairly predictable so is the whole story really it's the individual moments not the payoff that makes it so effective which i agree with the second half of that this movie has more rewatchable scenes like powerful rewatchable scenes in pretty much any movie i can think of but i disagree that the st- i mean that the story is predictable or boring or not like that so anyway um other stuff worth mentioning won the academy award for best supporting actor robin williams it won the academy award for best original screenplay affleck and damon ones it was nominated for best picture best director for gus van sant best actor matt damon Best Supporting Actress, Minnie Driver. Best Film Editing, Pietro Scalia. Sorry if I'm butchering that, Pietro. Uh, Best Original Dramatic Score from Danny Elfman. And Best Original Song, Miss Misery by Elliot Smith. So can't really do much better than than they did. So um, came on December of 97. Some other things that were going on in the world. As I'm recording this, sorry if I'm stuttering. Uh, Auntie Ranta for the Carolina Hurricanes is leaving the ice covered in blood. And uh, looks like he took a shot, something off the face, but oh well, he'll be all right. Suck it up, you're a hockey player. So, uh, other stuff that was going on in the world in December of 97. Uh, are other movies that came out, I should say Amistad, Scream 2, Titanic, which going back and, re- and reading that, that blew my mind that these came out the same month. That's probably why I was so not open to um to like i was so just sick of hearing how hot matt damon and ben affleck were because on top of that i was hearing about leonardo dicaprio so it was just like it was a good time to be a, a teenage girl uh jackie brown tomorrow never dies uh spice world the movie so it was a pretty interesting month in film outside of theaters the montreal canadians played their 5,000th game they lost to pittsburgh but that's okay Latrell Sprewell assaulted uh, PJ Carlissimo, which I actually forgot about. And then I was like, I had to go back and watch some videos of that. Um, Leanne Rimes and the Spice Girls pretty much cleaned up at the Billboard Music Awards. The Red Sox signed Pedro Martinez and changed my life forever. 49ers retired Joe Montana's number 16th. Jerry Seinfeld announced that the next season of Seinfeld would be the last. So it's a pretty, pretty eventful, pretty eventful month. Pretty good one threw me threw me back definitely has a lot of those i actually remember you know more than usual so um do you have anything for the back of the dvd summary i do so will hunting has a genius level iq but chooses to work as janitor at mit when he solves a difficult graduate level math problem 
his talents are discovered by Professor Gerald Limbo, who decides to help the misguided youth reach his potential. When Will's arrested for attacking a police officer, Professor Limbo makes a deal to get leniency for him if he will get treatment from therapist Sean McGuire. So, yeah, that that's a pretty good summary. I I I don't know what you what you just said that made me think of this, but one thing I think we have to talk about in this movie is there are some really good moments and then there's some really bad moments for the Boston accent, even from some of the people from Boston. Robin Williams does well for the most part, but then there are a couple times where he just goes a little too far. Uh, and Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, same. But all in all, it's it's not bad. It's a pretty good one. Um, some some major cast members and how they were doing going into this one. So Matt Damon, I think Mystic Pizza was his debut, and it was just like a background role. Same thing with Field of Dreams. He's supposedly I've never seen a picture of it, but he's supposedly in the Fenway scene, like in the background um, of uh, of Field of Dreams. Also in School Ties, which I think about every time I drive over the Lawrence Bridge, Joe. Uh, the Merrimack River Bridge in Lawrence, uh, Geronimo, Glory Days, Courage Under Fire, Chasing Amy, The Rainmaker, Saving Private Ryan, Rounders, Dogma, Talented Mr. Ripley, Oceans 11, Oceans 12, all the all the oceans. Um, I mean, like Joe said, you don't need to, Matt Damon's done pretty well for himself. And there's going to be a lot of repeat movies between him, Ben Affleck, and Casey Affleck, and they, they were kind of in like a little, <clears throat> kind of in a pack. So speaking of Ben Affleck, also in School Ties, like I just said, Days and Confused, Mall Rats, Glory Days, Chasing Amy, Shakespeare in Love, Armageddon, Dogma, Reindeer Games, Boiler Room, which I love, uh, Pearl Harbor, Changing Lanes, Some of All Fears, Daredevil and Geely, Back to Back, Jersey Girl, Electra. Um, that 03 to 05 stretch, whether or not you agree with it or not, it hurt him for sure. That was That was his... Definitely a down point in his career, but he came back. Uh, Gone Baby Gone, writer and director. Uh, he was in The Town, Argo, Gone Girl, Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, Justice League, and more. So he's come back, and I just found out he's back with J-Lo. Bree told me that like last week. So, I mean, I, I hope, honestly, with him, I just hope he's doing well. With I know he's had problems with drinking and all sorts of stuff. So, all right, moving on. Robin Williams. I don't even know where to start with Robin Williams. It, he's one of the only celebrities where it legit makes me sad. It, like reading through all his movies, it bums me out that he's gone. But um, I mean, some of his movies are my favorite. So uh, Good Morning Vietnam, Dead Poet Society, one of my favorites, Aladdin, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Birdcage, Hook, Jack, Jumanji, Aladdin, Patch Adams, Insomnia, One Hour Photo, and a million more. I really believe one of the most talented people of his generation because he could, you know, he could make the funniest movie ever and crack you up and then he could make this or Dead Poet Society and and make you cry. So they don't get more talented than him. He was he was one of the greats. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, Swedish fella. You know him for this, Hunt for Red October, Ronan, King Arthur, Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, and At World's End. Angels and Demons, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Thor, The Avengers, Another Avengers, Dune, and more. Solid career. Mini Driver, who plays Skylar, who I think is the gold standard for girlfriends in, in film, in my opinion. And the, the scene that best, that like is a reason for that is when they're at the bar together and they're just like 
Will's just sitting around having beers with his friends and she's just sitting there and she can totally hang with them. She's telling jokes, cracking up. When I was like 13, you're like, that's what I want. I want a girl that is like funny and she's beautiful, but she can hang with your boys. So love Mini Driver in this one. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Me, Me too. Me too. And then Casey Affleck, speaking of some people who've had some recent issues and some, you know, hasn't been the best past five years, but um, Chasing Amy, again, some of the same movies, Chasing Amy, Ocean's 11, 12, and 13, Jerry, Assassination of Jerry James by the Coward Robert Ford, Gone Baby Gone, Manchester by the Sea, and more. So, and then uh, Cole Hauser, the other guy in the crew, uh, Bill, uh, again, School Ties, Days and Confused, Higher Learning, Pitch Black, Tigerland, Hearts War, Tears of the Sun, Too Fast, Too Furious, The Cave, Olympus Has Fallen, and Tigerland. And now he's in Yellowstone, which I haven't seen, but everyone loves. So good for Cole. What do you have down for the more you know random facts for this one? Actually, there's so many to like, choose from. I have, I have five down, it's but almost you have many of them. So, yeah. um, in 2014, after Robin Williams died, the bench in the Boston Public Garden where he and Matt Damon had their conversations, uh, the scene between, uh, which became an impromptu memorial site. People left flowers, quotes, and various items of the bench. A petition has been passed around to erect a statue of Williams' memory to the bench. Um, when Matt Damon was in his fifth year at Harvard, he was in a playwriting class. The culmination of it was to write a one-act play. He started writing a movie, which with the help of Ben Affleck became this film. So super cool. Um, when Ron Williams read the script via Francis Ford Coppola and really liked it, his one question for Coppola was, who are these guys? Yeah. So I love that. I saw but that. local Boston boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, Casey Affleck ad-libbed most of his lines. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Gus Van Sant later admitted that Casey's improvised lines were much funnier and better than what had been written from originally. And then the last one I have is the phone number printed on the sign for the construction company that they're working for is the actual phone number of a Woburn, Massachusetts construction company that Matt Damon worked for while going to high school in Cambridge. Imagine you're that guy and you're just like your phone starts ringing like crazy. You're like, what the hell? Is I know. Is he happy or uh, the, yeah. the publicity or is he pissed off about his phone? No, he's, <laughs> he's pissed because it's not people calling him with actual money. It's, it's just morons. You know what I mean? But that's okay. Um, yeah, I, I had a couple of those. I also had uh, Damon. And this is a, just a funny like Boston kid thing. So Matt Damon and uh, Ben Affleck to see if people at the studios that they were sending their um, the script to were actually reading it. They hid in the middle of the script, a sex scene between Will and Chucky, like a random, totally random sex scene. And most studios would like turn them down, but not mention the scene. So they knew they didn't even read it. And when they met with Harvey Weinstein, which obviously that's not, you don't want to bring that name up, but when they met with him at Miramax, he said like pretty much, I, I really like it, but what's up with that random sex scene? And so they knew, they were like, he read it, he actually read it. And then they told them, they were like, oh, we just put that in there to see if people were actually reading it. So I thought that was good. Uh, the lines were Sean. Uh, so Robin Williams' character talks about his wife farting was ad-libbed by Robin Williams to Matt Damon. So when Matt Damon in that scene is like literally wheezing because he's laughing so hard, part of the reason is it's, he, he didn't expect it. He wasn't ready for it. So That's awesome. I know that actually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Minnie Driver's character, Skylar, is named after Matt Damon's ex-girlfriend, Skylar. She left him for Metallica drummer Lars Ulrich. What a loser. What no a, offense. No, what, a, what a downgrade. <laughs> right. No offense to Lars Ulrich. But I mean, who leaves? I mean, I know he was still, 
it was beginning of his career, but who leaves Matt Damon for Lars Ulrich again? No offense, right, Lars. Right, I know. Let's... Yep, yep, you messed up. Um, initially, Harvey Weinstein didn't want Minnie Driver for the film because he said she wasn't cute enough, what a moron. And then she went on to be uh, nominated for an Oscar. So suck it, Weinstein. And then the last one I have, oh, actually, I have a couple more. Uh, Mel Gibson was originally supposed to be the director of this one, which is wild. And then uh, in a Boston Magazine retrospective interview, Ben Affleck mentioned that he and Matt Damon wrote the part of Sean McGuire, so Robin Williams' character, with Morgan Freeman or Robert De Niro in mind. So when he and Matt Damon would, would like review the dialogue, he would do either Morgan Freeman or Robert, uh, Robert De Niro's voice when they were doing it, which I thought was funny. Yeah, that's awesome. But man, Rowan Williams, though, what like what a casting choice. Perfect. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And there's no one that could have, like, Robert De Niro's great. Morgan Freeman's great. No. No one could do this other than other than uh, Robert Williams. Um, so we kind of talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but as far as stuff that wouldn't fly in today's environment, there's a couple, like, you know, one of, one of my favorite quotes, this is a horrible time to say that, but one of my favorite quotes is when um, Robin Williams' character is explaining why he's explaining to Lambeau why Will hangs out with those. And he says, quote unquote, retarded gorillas. So that's obviously we don't you don't want to use that word. But we talked about it. It's, it's supposed to be from about some kind of rough around the edges guys from Boston. So you expect that a little bit. Honestly, I think the thing that's aged the worst with this one is how involved Harvey Weinstein was. It's, <laughs> it's just one of those names you don't want to. Yeah. hear about and he was very much involved with this so that that kind of stinks but other than that like i said nothing nothing too crazy in my opinion yeah you know i don't know if you remember back in the movie scene days we had this like kind of fun argument between who was better Do you remember this between ben affleck and matt damon we would ask customers who like they would vote for like i was like team ben affleck you were team matt damon so we we're trying to like figure out like, where everyone was like where yeah. one was um because the whole i would have definitely yeah i would have definitely been at that time team matt damon yep has that changed at all it's definitely gotten closer because like the town i love argo i really like and then movies that he directed though yeah i don't know it's gotten closer i don't know that it's changed because matt damon i do love matt damon yeah but it, but but I, I i don't i don't at all the people that think Ben Affleck's a bad actor. I don't. I don't agree with that at oh, all. I, don't I think either, no. I don't either. So, I like so the, yeah, I, like I don't know the whole lot. But I just remember thinking about this like, a, like as we're like, I was really different. The fun. I was going out like this rabbit hole, like Google hunting before we started filming this, and uh, the joke back then was Ben Affleck wrote the script, and Ben Affleck came in, changed a few lines, and put his name on the paper. So it's yeah, like, yeah. It's like the ongoing joke in history. But um, it's funny how, like you said, how established Ben Affleck has become now as like both. A filmmaker versus just an actor so like he's like more more relevant now behind the camera than he is in front which is insane yeah i still think that i'm i'm sure ben affleck had his hand in this but i still think that matt damon did more work oh no for sure in fact that he did yeah. in school like he wrote this like template right. in school kind of <laughs> so. right right so for favorite scene this is almost impossible to me i have a list of like 25 scenes so why don't you go first? And if you have any of the same ones, I'll cross mine. I'll cross it off my list. Yeah, that's a lot of great scenes. This one, I have a few, but I have the scene that sticks out for me is the scene at the end between Will and Chucky. Um, when his best friends just real with him, he's telling him 
He has this gift. He's just won the lottery. And if he doesn't take advantage of it, he's going to kill me. He pretty much says, he mm-hmm. says how he's, he, they work construction at the, at, during the scene, they're working construction. And Chucky's like, I'm going to, he's like, I'm going to be 50 waking up and doing this. He's like, and that's okay. He's like, this is, this is what I'm good at. He's like, and then, he says, he says, tomorrow I'm going to be awake. I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be 50. And like, it, he just means like, this is it for me. Yeah. This is what for, good yeah. at. This is life. This is what, but he's pretty much trying to say like, if Will's take advantage of this opportunity that he has, this winning lottery ticket, he's going to pretty much kill him. And yep. it's just like such a real moment because the entire film up to this point, they're always like bantering, having fun with each other. But this is when like, it just gets real. Like, that like I was again. I can see this movie as many times as I can see one hundred times. I'm always silent at that scene, just like listening to the dialogue between the two of them. So good. Yeah. Um, real quick before you move on to another one, the thing that's so powerful in that scene is, like you said, Chucky will do anything for Will. He, you've seen him getting fights for him. He'll he's bailed him out of jail. He would cut off his leg if he had to. But doing that and telling him. Because the selfish part of him would be like, yeah, stay with me and like hang out and let's like grab beers every night or whatever. But he tells him like, no, you're too good for this. Like, get, get out of here. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no. Go yeah, ahead, no. Sorry. no, no, that's no, that's, you nailed it. Like, there's the loyalty is my favorite thing about this. I was going to like, that's like a whole bullet point I have written down, this yep. loyalty. And that's like, I could go on and on about how good they are together from when <laughs> Will gets in like an actual like, an argument with the guy at the bar but like just like the knowledge of like <laughs> like yeah. this knowledge battle like this, yeah. this, it's so good yeah. um you mentioned earlier i love the scene when will introduces his girlfriend to his best friends they get along with her so well and like you can see usually like on the outside you think these guys are just like gonna be total assholes like you know bros but they give her a chance like they're talking to her they're acting like good like good dudes she can ass. hang yeah yeah and and she, like you said, she's fitting in with them. She's making jokes, making them laugh, telling her dirty jokes, which is like on their level of like humor. So like she got them right away. She knew what would make them laugh. So good. Yep. Um, I, like I said, the loyalty, I could go on and on about. But then obviously the script, the script itself, they could, the movie's perfect with who they have casted. But honestly, like I probably could have watched anyone read these, read these lines because the script is so good in this movie. It is pretty much, you can see there was no budget. It's nothing really happens. It's all carried by dialogue, and it's the dialogue is incredible in this movie. So, yeah, I could, like you said, I can go on and on about all these great scenes, but I'll pass the torch over to you now. All right, yeah, I have I have a few that I want to mention. One of them you kind of touched on. Um, so the one that everyone thinks of, I think, is the park bench scene, the one in Boston Public Garden where they wanted people want to dedicate a statue to Robin Williams. But what makes that so great is so it's McGuire basically telling Will what he and every other 20 year old guy and girl, but especially guy needs to hear, which is like, I don't care what book you've read, what degree you have. You don't know shit. You haven't lived. You haven't, you know, you haven't lived real life. And he comes at will in a way that he's wills never had to deal with because he's, he's kind of on the same level as him as far as how smart he is, but he's not going to butt heads with them because he knows that won't work. If he does that, the will will just shut him out. He sits him down calmly and just like deconstructs Will and says like, I know the game you're playing. I know how to play it. It's all bullshit. And then at the end of that scene, he's like, you're a move chief. And he just walks off. And it's like, it's like the ultimate mic drop. Yeah, That's what it is. That's the whole thing between them is. And I like that line from Professor Lambeau where he's like, after they have the, um, the session where they don't say anything, 
Professor Lambeau says, like, what is this, an old staring contest between two guys in the neighborhood? And he's like, yeah, and he's got to talk first. Like, he, and it's, it's, it blows my mind that Matt Damon and or Matt Damon and Van Affleck could think of that when they were like 24, 25, whatever. That's crazy. Yeah, like, and, I love their bonds. Like their bonds with the movie, it's so good. Like, yep. obviously, his best friend is Chucky, but when he goes off to at the end, he leaves a note for for Sean. Yep. To, like, obviously, like that's what Ben Affleck kind of wants. He didn't want to be told; he just wanted to be like the Irish exit. But he only tells Sean, so it's like their their bond is so good in this movie. Yep. Um, you mentioned this one, the Harvard Bar scene in the intro to Skyler. It's kind of similar in a way to the scene that I ju- uh, that I just talked about, uh, because Will fights the Michael Bolton clone on his turf. He talks some much with him, and he and he gets the better of him in that battle. But then he's like, "But if you have a problem with that, maybe we can go outside." And I love that. You can call me a caveman all you want, but sometimes there's a place for that. Especially the way that Will did it, where he did it like quietly. He wasn't like making a show about it. He just whispered to him, "Like if you got a problem with that, we can go outside." Um, love that. Uh, I'll tell you after Joe, but it reminded me of a time from a kid when a kid from a neighboring town made fun of Adam's tattoo. It was it was a, it was a great story. It was very similar to that. Um, and then I, you might as well miss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a good one. And then uh, and then I also think an underrated part of that scene is <laughs> is how it starts with Ben Affleck going like, "Oh, I'm gonna go bust a move with this Harvard honey at the end of the bar," and then he walks up there and he's like. I think I had a class with you. And she's like, what class is that? And he's like, history. <laughs> His character in this is so good. And then he's like, he's like, you know, I mean, I like it here. Just because I go here doesn't mean I'm a genius. I am very smart. But <laughs> so good. So good. Um, and then I have to mention the first meeting between Sean and Will. When Will goes too far and then Sean grabs him by the throat and like slams him up against the wall. And it's, that seems so good, especially after we saw the, all the other therapists back out because he gets pushed that far and then he tells Lambeau, like, make sure he's here next week. Because in the first time you see this movie, that scene is like extra powerful because you're not expecting it. Robin Williams, you know him as Robin Williams. He's like, you know, seems like a very nice guy and he's always laughing. And then he just like choke slams Matt Damon against the wall and you're like, oh shit. Um, and then the one that I love that no one talks about is when they beat the shit out of Carmine Scarpaglia, um, including the lead, the lead up to it when Morgan's like, if we was going to fight him, we should fight him back then. We got snacks now. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I could go on and on and on and on. I love every minute of this movie, but let's talk about the soundtrack. What do you have down for the soundtrack? I have, I have a couple notes, but you can go first. Well, go first because I probably have a little more written down. Sure. So I love the soundtrack. Fisherman's Blues, I love. Also in Waking the Divine, uh, Worth a Late Fee alum. Actually, Worth a Late Fee most downloaded episode yeah, yep. ever by far. And then Miss Misery by Elliot Smith, nominated for Best Original Song. But Lost to My Heart Will Go On from the Titanic. So I guess you can't really can't really debate that. Holy shit, there's a giant yeah. bee in my... Oh, this is great. I can see uh, way back when I got caught on camera trying to catch a spider. And now Eric's on this side. You... <laughs> You talk about the soundtrack. All right. You go, you go hunting over there. Um, yeah, so like Eric said, um, the songs, the licensed music is so good in this movie. Waking Up Divine, our older older podcast, kind of touched upon some of the music here. And while it's most downloaded, it's also really early, so I'm not sure how, I, how we sound that movie. I'm a little nervous about that. Waking Up Divine, if I listen to that, Eric, how bad it is it? Like, I think it's like one of our what, first 10 episodes we ever recorded. Which one, Waking Up Divine? Yeah. 
yeah, it was it was it was early on. God, I can only sure. imagine how bad that is now listening to it. But anyways, the score now is composed by Denny Elfman. I thought it was amazing. The score was beautiful. It I mean it's Denny Elfman and it's a it's he's a legend in the industry. He's one of the heavy hitters when it comes to film scores. He's been involved with lots of Tim Burns films from Never Before Christmas, Beetlejuice, um, both Burton Batman movies and other along the Burton catalog there. He's also been involved with some um, Gus Van Sant films as well. And some recent big hitters on his resume are Avengers Age of Ultron, Justice League, going a little bit further now back with Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 1 and 2. And as of tomorrow, he'll be composing a score for the new Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie. So still oh, nice. very active, has done a ton of things from TV, done some video games, ton of movies. So he is very active in the industry. Nice, nice. All right. So if you could change one thing, this is very, very difficult for me. Um, but there were some fun facts that I kind of left out about what the story of this plot originally was. And so I'm going to include one of those here. <clears throat> Excuse me. An earlier draft of the script had Will Hunting base, uh, being recruited by the government to become a crypt analyst based on his mathematic ability. Rob Reiner reportedly reviewed the script and advised Matt Damon and Ben Affleck to eliminate this subplot. Good call, Rob Reiner. However, there is a reference to it in the, in the final script, the scene where Will meets with the NSA agents and explain why he doesn't want to work for them. And that scene to me, it just feels like too random and too... I think they either needed to do what Rob Reiner said and remove it entirely, or they should have left a little bit more into, to, it feels like a deleted scene. You know what I mean? It feels like something they should have just cut. And then you watched on the, on the bonus material on a DVD. Um, but that's really it. That's the only thing I have. Yeah. I was going to find and catch that. Um, I, like you said, I really couldn't find anything with this. Some things like that, like you kind of like, not that you probably could from that off for sure. Cause I'm sure it's like more of like a personal thing for them than more than anything else. Like it was just for them. Yeah, not anyone I think else. it was. Yeah, I think it was. So I can definitely see that being something you just cut out. But like you said, it's a pretty, it flows super well for a dialogue heavy script, a dialogue heavy film. And if I could make one request, I guess it would be, no, this wouldn't change anything about the movie, but I loved the time with the boys. I want some more time with the boys. All right. Like those were some fun scenes. And I wish, I wish you got a little more of that just because everything like i look forward to those so i you know it's funny like the now why not once you're like an adult and like you know i'm married and everything like that when i think of missing my youth it's not like i was never a like go out and hit on girls guy i think of like that scene where right after they leave the bar that they almost get in a fight in and they're they're like walking down the street hanging all over each other and they're like oh it's the the you know, the guy from the bar, like that scene where there's no girl in sight. It's like, they're just him and his buddies walking around the city. That's, that's, I could have done more of that. Yeah. yeah that was great. Could have done with a little, I could have had a little bit more Cole Hauser too. Although I think his character's whole point was that he was kind of like a quiet, you know, tough, quiet guy, like man, a few words, but, um, the scene too where they get in a fight where they chase down this Carmine Scarpaglia kid. One thing that I loved about it that I I'm just thinking of now is so they see him, they stop the car. Will gets out and Cole House's character gets out. Bill, I think his name is. And then 
Ben Affleck reams Casey Affleck. Like he like bitches him out. And he's like, let me tell you something. If you're not out of this car in two seconds, when I'm get done with them, you're next. And it was just, it's so awesome to me that he couldn't understand how Casey Affleck wouldn't without questioning it, get out of the car and fight the kids because Will wants to fight the kids. It's like, oh if one God. of us goes, we all go. Yeah, That's I it. Love that. that was so good. Um, and Kyle, I didn't think of this either, but it was, it was watching this movie now. It's funny seeing some of like the side characters and like where their careers are now in the beginning when, um, Professor Lembo trying to figure out the who solved this equation. Yeah. Um, one of the students, they might teach, one of the students there was Vic Sehi, I believe. Is, I think I'm trying to say that name right. Uh, he's one of the like more major characters um, in the show Chuck. So it's funny oh, seeing really? him. Yeah, it's funny seeing him in that scene and then be like, oh my god, like that's that's Lester, like <laughs> crazy. That's so wild. Yeah. So there's some of the it's funny it was fun picking out some of like the old characters like who have careers now. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. I think, I think if I'm correct, yeah, we've come to that point in the podcast where we give our scores and we rate movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to, to see to uh, keep this movie? So a score of one is you get a little bit into it. Maybe you think it's a little weird that they're sitting around drinking, watching a little league baseball game and uh, when they have nothing else better to do and you just return it because you don't want to pay a late fee, all the way up to a score of five, which is you'll keep it a few extra days so you can show your friends, maybe even just buy it from the video rental store so you don't have to bring it back. So score of one is low, score of five is high. This is my pick, so Joe's going to go first. What do we think of Joe? It's a five. Like, Good Will Hunting is the perfect example of where the screenplay carries the movie above all else. Um, but with that said, the, all the actors play their roles perfectly, and I can't picture anyone else replacing any of them uh, when it's fine when most people think about like boston films boston-based films they always think of the departed as like the boston film but i in my opinion i think good hunting is the definitive boston film and it is pretty close to like obviously it's no perfect film but it's pretty it's up there with a pretty easy watch the, the, even with the runtime so yeah a five out of five we will someday whether it's like in some sort of new format or whatever we will we will get my opinion of the departed but i i think and i say this as someone who saw the departed like six or seven times in theaters a lot i don't know that i would put the departed in my top five for boston sports movie, uh, boston boston movies I, I but like i said we'll talk about that down the road but so yeah this is a five out of five for me um as well things this one does better than most if not any other movie the friendship between will and his boys all they do all day is like make fun of each other and break each other's balls and, and beat each other up all that but like sean says to lambo if any of them asked the others to to kill someone they would do it and then like we like you said at the same at the same time chucky's the first one to tell will to like get out of here and and do what you're capable of and you know you you got bigger stuff bigger fish to fry and then the other thing this is the one thing that bummed me out about bummed me out about this movie rewatching it now we'll do well the, a good thing first of all is it really does a good job of showing the two crowds in boston of like the students the professors the high-paid professionals etc and then the people that grew up there and lived in some of like the lower income towns and that part has gotten so much worse since this movie was made and it really bummed me out like all this the, the places in south like south boston broadway and south boston is like a totally different area now it's like everyone wants to live there and this is probably the start of like the beginning of that or part of it it played a part in it but it, it bummed me out but 
yeah, this is a five out of five. I didn't grow up in South Boston. I wasn't raised in foster homes. And I'm definitely not a mathematical genius. I also don't look like Matt Damon, unfortunately, from my wife. But I can't think of a movie that, like, growing up, I could relate more to. And it's because of Will's relationship with his friends. It has some of the best scenes, best exchanges between characters. Like you said, best script, best dialogue that I've ever seen, listened to. I love it. Five out of five. Yeah, they did a lot that that ten million dollar budget really went far. Like it's insane. It's it's such a good example of again. Look at if you want if you're in the screenwriting and looking for screenplays, this is such a great screenplay. Just to look online, and download, and read and see how it was put together because it is a great, great script. And the fact that they did it when they were in their early twenties is just wild. Right. Yeah. The and dialogue again, like they just knew that they they knew how friends talk to each other. They they got like and like like you watch movies today and like. <laughs> The dialogue's so forced. It's just like some adult has never like seen a high school student in their entire life. They're trying to keep up the times, but it's always cringeworthy. Yeah. Whereas like Matt yeah. and Matt, they knew how their them and their friends talk. Like they got it. It felt so natural. Yes. No. Exactly. No. It's it's that's the best part of the the, the relationship with Skyler's great. The relationship with the professor with um Robin Williams. I mean, it's great. But for me, it's him and his boys. That's like that's the best part of this movie. So, um. Anyway, follow us on Instagram, worth a late fee. Suggestions are always welcome. We'll be back next week, and it's going to be Joe's pick. So, Joe, what are we talking about next week? This is one I've been talking to Eric about for a long time. He knows what's coming, and it's one of my favorite sports movies, one of my, probably my, my top ten movies of all time. It's um, The Great Cinderella Man yep. for our 99th episode. I remember seeing that one in theaters. That's so I've, I've, I've seen that one quite a few times. I'm excited to rewatch it. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for listening. And we'll be back next week with Cinderella, man. As always. Thank you.